Girl Clothing is so much more than clothing. We are a movement. We have collectively decided to stop seeing each other as competition and instead seeing each other as sisters because we believe that is why we are held back as a gender and we are tired of it. So we are coming together, sharing our stories, our experience, strength, and hope to know that we are not alone and to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving forward. It is 100% girl power. We know that if the women energy is not lifted up across this planet, we are doomed as a human race and we are here to change the game. So please help me welcome back our host, Tavra Lee. This is another episode of Girl Talk and we are already laughing. So I strongly suspect there's going to be a lot of laughter in this podcast. I mean, we're trying to talk about not having any swearing in this (laughs) podcast, but both Leslie and I are like, we're not sure if that's going to work. Anyway, Leslie Mulcahy, right? That's right. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I always like to talk to a fellow Canadian. Here you go. I spent 14 years in Toronto. I'm half Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, my mom's side of the family is all Canadian, so oh, awesome! I relate to your your Canadian side, your northern genes. <laughs> my East Coast genes might come out here any time now. Oh, it's a little late. That, there it is. That's where the swearing will come from. Oh uh, yeah, gotcha. So you are from where originally? I'm from Newfoundland, um, but I live in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia now. Ah, I have yeah. a really good friend uh, for many years that was from Halifax, and we talked oh, a lot nice. about Halifax. It's kind of different. You know, people in the United States, I'm going to say Americans, Americans, they don't always understand the Canadians. Um, and I think that some Americans still think Canadians live in igloos. And they specifically they totally could do. never even find Halifax on a, on a map. In fact, I have this idea that maybe you and I should walk around at some point today with a map of Canada and see how many Americans can point out where Halifax is. Okay, we're going to we're going to take some yeah. videos of of that. You yeah. and I together. We could ask people for like their favorite facts about Canada and see if we get an answer other than like Celine Dion. I know. Or the the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Although I did see Celine Dion on Wednesday night here in Vegas. <laughs> I'm just going to say it was amazing. Was it good? That's so funny. It was really incredible. So That's so funny. I'm just now making fun of us being Canadians, but I I time. I like it um, when I play like the bare naked ladies really loud yeah. or the tragically hip. So good. And I cried when Gord Downey passed. Yeah. And people yeah. are like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "Oh, you Americans!" Yeah. How but do then you there's not this. Know? If I'm being honest, like there's this part of me that I'm like, oh, I feel like there are little treasures. And so while I want them to like blow up and be international and stuff, at the same time, I have that moment of like, well, they're ours. It's true. That's a, that is a really good point. Um, I, I am definitely have the half of that Canadian in me where, (laughs) you know, Canadians are definitely more liberal, um, where I'm, where I spent my time outside of Toronto is definitely much more multicultural than where I'm at in Colorado for sure. And you know, my, both of my kids, you know, they were exposed to every other culture in the world well before most kids in Colorado are. So mm. I think it set a different tone for us. Although I, I have to admit, you know, I was born and raised in the United States, so I do have the American in me. You'll tell sometimes <laughs> when we start talking about guns and stuff. You know, so I, I like, I'm, ha- I'm half and half. You could like split me down the middle, this side Canadian, this side American. It's all good. You're wonderful either way. Oh, well, thank you. you. I think you're pretty wonderful. Why, thank you. So everything's going well at Girl Life so far. Hasn't this been amazing? It's been really incredible. Yeah. And I'll tell you that the best part for me, of course, is getting to talk to amazing women like you because Mm. I know that you have an interesting story. 
And I'm excited to talk about it. And we're going to talk about PTSD. Yeah. Which is not a PTSD that comes from war, which most people think it comes from (laughs) war or violence, something violent that has occurred. Um, And I, you know, I'm really grateful that you're willing to share. No problem. So tell us a little bit about it. Uh, So it was uh, just about five years ago. Actually, it was five years ago in May. Um, I was involved with some dog rescue work, um, and I experienced a severe dog fight. So when at I at a rescue organization at someone's property. Okay. Yeah. So um, experienced that, and I was bitten in the process by one of the dogs. Um, and I won't go into all the details about that, but. Between that experience and then um, some things that happened with the person who was responsible for the animals and how I was treated and all this kind of stuff, things just were kind of rough afterwards. So I ended up with a broken uh, bone in my right hand. So I had to have surgery. And so it all happened pretty quickly. It was an unexpected situation. Um, I had the physical recovery in terms of having surgery and all that kind of stuff. And so I was really tired afterwards, and which I know is normal with surgery. Yeah. Um, and that was my first, I guess, major surgery. And I just, I knew I didn't feel right afterwards. Okay, so let's let's go back. I know we're yeah. not going to go into the details yeah, of what no, actually no happened. But, yeah. um, so you, you, did you try to get involved and stop the dogs? Is that what happened? I was oh. asked... I'm going to put asked in quotation okay. marks because gotcha. gotcha. asked, I think, is yeah. a light way to put it in that That's kind of That's just what I wanted some context. It's yeah. not like the dogs yeah. came and like attacked you. No. You, there was an altercation between yeah. the dogs. The other, the other person wanted to try and separate them. Um, and so very strongly encouraged, for lack of a better term, um, for me to get involved and to help her. Um, and it's one of those things I've had to process a lot in the past five years of like, well, what do you do in that situation? And, you know, do you help someone? Mm. Do you potentially put yourself in danger? You're watching these two animals try to potentially kill each other, which is essentially how the situation had elevated. Um, And it's a fight or flight thing. So it's a bit of a reaction. So I've had like lots of guilt and shame about Mm. my reaction in that moment. But I've also done a lot of work to process why I would step in. Um, and it's hard to say if I would do it again, obviously for anyone out there listening, if you encounter a dog fight, I'm going to recommend that maybe you don't step in, um, if you're not trained to do so for sure. Um, but there was a bit of a power dynamic happening there with myself yeah. and the other person for various reasons. Plus it was just a high intense, you had to make a split decision. So I'm going to relate this to something that I, um, I understand that would be similar mm. and that is, you know, I teach Krav Maga, so I teach self-defense. Yeah. So I think that in a lot of situations when you have to make snap decisions, when your yourself is at risk and, you know, animals in this case were at yeah. risk, but when somebody else is at risk and yourself and you have to make a snap decision, it's difficult. Big time. It's very difficult. And all of the things that we teach in Krav Maga happened for you, which means you felt like you had no choice but to make a decision that ultimately ended up causing harm to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's interesting, too, because you can't change it once it's done. Yeah. Right? So to have, you know, afterwards when I was, like, processing what I thought was just my emotions, and uh, this is no secret to anyone who knows me or even anyone who has just met me this weekend, I'm a pretty emotional person. I've always been an emotional person. Um, So, you know, afterwards I was just like, oh, I'm tired and I'm emotional and I'm, you know, trying to work through my feelings around this situation. 
But I know that right from the get-go, I wasn't fully open about the impact of what happened. So I downplayed a lot of it. So when somebody asked me how I was, I said, I'm fine. But did you know, though, that you had undergone way more trauma than you thought? Or did that come I later? Didn't, yeah. I didn't understand that it was trauma, for sure. I just, I just thought I was upset. Because you were injured. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, injured, but I, I knew to an extent that I was upset about the situation. And I knew that there was something now I had a fear of dogs, which is hard for me because I have a dog and I had him at the time. And I know when I had to go pick him up from the kennel after this happened, it's the first time I was ever nervous about my own dog. Mm -hmm. And that was tough. So those little things were happening or when I had to go and take him for a walk. Yeah, because you might cross another dog. Yeah. So I started having these feelings and these experiences that I had never had before in that way. And I didn't realize too physically what it was doing to me. Um, and even that's taken me like years to understand the impact that trauma has on your body. Because mm -hmm. you go into a state that ends up becoming your norm, mm -hmm. right? So you, and it's hard to get back yeah, out so, of that. So you adjust to it. But like, you know, I went through, I would say a good two months. I went back to work pretty much the week after it happened. Um, and I just, I couldn't wear mascara, because you were crying so much. Every day, I was closing the door at some point and crying. Easily. Like, it was a given. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of rough days. Um, fortunately, I was able to recognize that there was something wrong. I didn't understand that it was trauma or PTSD. Mm -hmm. But I knew, so I reached out for support from a counselor who I'd seen before through an employee family assistance program, which I'm going to put a plug in for, that if you are working for an employer and they have an assistance program, um, they are amazing resources uh, to get connected with counseling and support. Um, mm -hmm. That is generally the cost is covered for, you know, a certain number of sessions, mm -hmm. so especially for people who may not be able to access private care or even, you know, a long wait for public care. Um, if you have access to those, they're amazing. And you don't need to wait until you're in crisis for mm -hmm. it, which is the good thing. Um, so yeah, so I reached out and I made an appointment with a counselor who I had seen previously. Um, and when I saw him, he diagnosed me, I would say within five minutes of a conversation. Oh. And I remember arguing with him. So he, he's like, I'm going to make you stop for a minute. Like, this is trauma. And I was like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just emotional. Like, I just need to talk about it and then I'm going to be good. And he's like, no. Like, you need to see somebody who is experienced with processing trauma and treating trauma. And so he made recommendations about who I should see and, and what kind of treatment I should undergo, which I really didn't understand then. I'm, I'm asking because I, I think that not recognizing it at the time was part of the issue. Yeah. But you were able to get help right away because you did seek something out to, because you knew something was wrong with your body. Right. I just didn't know what it was mm. and I had mislabeled it because I didn't understand the difference between what it would feel like to wake up and cry, you know, for half of your day or, you know, lose interest in going out or not wanting to eat properly or whatever it was. I just equated that with like, you know, maybe it's a dip in my emotions or it's a bit of a depression mm -hmm. or that kind of an episode. I didn't actually understand what trauma was. And so, and how deeply ingrained it gets into you. 
and how it makes so many situations uncomfortable and what would become a trigger, mm-hmm. some of which triggers would be obvious. So if two dogs started fighting in front of me right now, obviously yeah. that would be a really difficult situation for me. But there would be other things like anticipating. So for five years, I have had to walk my dog. And then at another point, I actually did adopt a second dog, So then I, which I never thought would happen after this. Because there's two dogs in the same home. Yeah. Oh, the first time I left them home out by themselves, it was, I was a wreck. Like mm-hmm. I only went out for 90 minutes because I, for some reason in my head, I was like, well, if they're going to kill each other. And the dogs had been great together. There was nothing to indicate that there would have been an issue. But the whole time I just go through, basically you end up what ifing Mm -hmm. a lot. What if this, what if this? So you spend the entire time anticipating. I, you know, I'd go for a half an hour walk with my dog, just literally imagining the worst possible things that could happen Mm -hmm. to the point where when you know, I'd get home from a walk and nothing, no disaster had struck. And I was like, yes, I made it through a walk. Yeah. You thought that was the abnormality. Yeah. Yeah. You started to, you started to wonder if that, if every single time. time. So, I mean, let's relate this to all different types of trauma, you know, like, because you're talking about things that are an after effect of an incident that's occurred. Mm -hmm. Um, what was therapy like? Like, how do you address a trauma like that, that leaves you with PTSD? Yeah. So I primarily went through EMDR, which is, I can never remember. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) It's eye movement, something, something, but essentially it's a way where it's not just about reliving the trauma, but you're actually going through it and trying to change the reaction your body has. So essentially you're trying to lower the intensity of reaction that your body is having, um, when you are thinking about something or when you experience something. Now, isn't this interesting? I was listening to a book recently that said that we have the capability of recreating, Mm. right? We have the ability of recreating the exact feelings and body response to a situation, even if the situation is not occurring. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about this or or lots of self-help experts talk about this in the terms of like meditation and how we can control our behavior because we have the ability to create joy. Right. We have the ability to create excitement even when there's not something exciting happening. We have the ability to turn our body into this like happiness machine. Yeah. But on the reverse side, that also means we have the ability to return to that trauma. Absolutely. And I think that what I didn't necessarily understand. So when you, you know, the, you know, the processing and the treatment was really hard and it's going along and it doesn't feel like it's going to get better because mm-hmm. you're so stuck, right? And you don't feel well. And so then you start making like little bits of progress and you start seeing your little victories and that's exciting. What I didn't understand necessarily was, you know, and I, I powerlift and um, I would compare it to your progress in powerlifting is not, it just doesn't keep going up. Mm. right? At some point you plateau, some point you might get an injury and you go backwards. And so you go from, you know, deadlifting 300 to hopefully getting 145 on the bar Mm. and you've got to build back up again. To me for PTSD, it's kind of been the same experience. So made a whole lot of progress for a long time. And then I had experiences, um, that set me back in ways I was not expecting. Mm. So Last January, it would have been, um, I help organize a homeless shelter in Halifax. And um, 
one night when I was doing my on-call shift there, there was an incident that happened. Um, and it was a pretty intense situation. Fortunately, everything got under control and, and people were safe and everything. Um, but I knew almost right away, like pretty much the next morning, I was like, this is really unsettling for me. And I was like, and the reason it was unsettling for me, I think, is because it actually, it felt like it matched the intensity of my own situation that I'd had. Gotcha. So it was a different situation. But, and we would always, you know, from a self-care perspective, um, you know, doing that kind of uh, work, it's volunteer work for me. But even that, we debrief a lot around situations that, you know, you feel bad about or sticking with you or you just need to talk about with someone and one of the guys on the team was so kind to me and he was like you know do you want to debrief and I was like I would love to and he called me I may have been sitting in the bathtub and I may have been drinking a glass of gin Mm -hmm. hypothetically speaking (laughs) Um, and he called and we were talking about it and I said like Jeff this isn't about the incident itself I can tell you right now what I'm more upset about. And it was because it had triggered me in a bunch of different ways, which was even harder for me because um, it just kind of felt then that that whole space was now tainted with my trauma. So it was just really, really tough. So, you know, tried to deal with some of that. And then I think it was in the summer, it was last July. And uh, I remember the next day it was going to be my first training day with a new powerlifting coach. And I you know, gotten back into lifting after a bit of a break because my PTSD had kind of spiraled in in the winter. And I was walking my dog in our neighborhood and a dog came out of a house at us. Nothing happened. Nobody got bitten. But it was just really intense for those couple of moments. And I basically like spiraled that night. And it was so friggin' tough. So I was like, I felt like I'd made all this progress and now these couple of things had happened. And I mean, by September last year, like my psychologist who was wonderful, I'm so grateful for her, looked at me and she was like, you are not doing as well as you were. Like we had to have the hard conversation about it. And so then you feel defeated and like, you, you know, you've let yourself down, potentially like you've let other people down. You know, it just ends up affecting everything, your sleep, eating, exercise, what you're interested in, being productive, mm. actually like, you know, feeling like you can take care of stuff. Um, so it's yeah, it's a painful so place to be. It was really tough. And, the, and again, I think it was made more tough for me because it had taken me so long to get out of feeling that way every single day and made what I consider progress. And now I was quote unquote set back mm-hmm. and that was really hard. So it's been a little bit of a journey since yeah, then. Yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So, I, I mean, you, first of all, thank you for sharing. I know that it's not, your path hasn't been easy. And I, you know, I believe that you'll have some work still to do. Big time. I'm, I'm mostly glad that you are still working and you understand that you need to keep working. Um, because putting the work in is what matters. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, especially after... Oh, Sorry, I'm not good with this. That's microphone okay. And, stuff, and for those of you I? listening, we're 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 fiddling with mics. So you're going to hear this. This is what happens when you podcast on the fly in a remote location where you brought equipment for thousands and thousands of miles to a new place. So we fiddle with mics. That's no problem. Hashtag real life. That's right. Um, Hashtag podcast life. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, where were we? I'm so sorry. Oh, I was I was just saying that you're putting in you recognizing that this is going to require you to continue to put in the work. 
I think all the time. And, and that's, um, you know, especially what I think the pat like the last year and a bit taught me was that something can change at any time. And I think that's true for everything, but for the trauma stuff in particular, for me, um, I had to make decisions about my health in the past year that I never thought I would have to make at this point, okay. right? Yeah. So I ended up choosing uh, to go on uh, anti-anxiety medication daily, which was a really big thing for me because I didn't do it before. And actually, I don't know if it would have been as effective before because of the work I was doing, what I was able to process, et cetera. You know, last January happened and then things after that. So by about uh, September, I made the decision to go on anti-anxiety medication, um, I did wait a little bit longer than that to actually start the medications, mm. though. Um, you kept the prescription for a little while? I kept the prescription for mm. a little while. One, because I was just, it was that moment of having to go put it in and just to process. But, you know, I had an amazing conversation with my family doctor. My psychologist supported it. Like, we really looked at what might the best medication. I may have walked into my doctor with a list and said, here are the three medications my psychologist recommends. You get to pick one. Oh. And we... <laughs> We had a conversation. I was very educated about it. Um, and uh, But I was training for a powerlifting meet. And, you know, I'd put a lot of work in. And I was getting back into lifting. And I was feeling really good about it. So even though I was an emotional fucking wreck. Oops. Beep. Uh, <laughs> there goes the E sign That's all right. on, That's on okay. the podcast. This will be an explicit one. No there problem. There you go. Um, that, you know, I, I didn't want to add in something else that was going to throw off my training. And because with a lot of drugs, I, I was going on Prozac, um, your transition period can be a little bit tough, right? In terms of how you feel physically. Mm -hmm. So I basically decided I'd made it to that point long enough without the Prozac that if I had to wait a little bit longer, then that was okay because I was just worried about how much it was going to throw me off. Right. I would not necessarily recommend anybody else do that, especially for a powerlifting meet. But it was just, it was really, really important to me. Um, in a lot of ways. I totally, I totally get it. I, yeah. I am a big, massive believer in working on our body because it works on our mind. Big time. And I think that when we lose that, it can affect us in ways we don't even know. So the fact that you still wanted to do it and, and finish it is just amazing. Yeah. So uh, I started the meds after. Um, so probably around like the beginning of December. Went through a little bit of an odd period with not feeling great with them um, and feeling kind of like half stoned all the time. And uh, I think it was in January. So I went to my psychologist and uh, she asked me how I'm doing and whatever. And I was like, I just feel so odd. Like I can't, I feel like I'm like in a bit of a cloud and I'm explaining it. And she said, you're relaxed. I said, what? <laughs> She's like, this is your body relaxing your mind is suddenly getting that you don't always have to feel unsafe, right? You're not always like waiting for the fight or flight moment. Your body is adjusting and relaxing. And I remember I started bawling because I was like, is this what feeling relaxed is like? Because mm. I didn't understand how much I hadn't felt it for five years. Yeah. Right? So it's been, it's been really interesting. So I have to say that um, the medication has been really, really positive for me. Um, I'm glad I explored it. I'm glad I took the time. I'm glad I didn't rush into it. Um, but it's definitely made a positive difference for me. Yeah. 
Well, and you put the work, you're still putting the work in. This is yep. the thing is you're not using, medication is not a crutch for you. No. It's, it's helping you. And, yeah. And, and you're still focused on recovery right now. And listen, I am proud of you for all the effort that you put into not just take it. You researched, you looked into it, you asked questions, yeah. you made an informed decision about your own health. And I am one of those people, if someone said they needed medication... And they knew they needed it and they were, yes. you know, they were responsible with it or whatever. I would never say to anyone to not explore medication. Yeah. But I know that even though I knew it was a potentially good option for me, I went through shame about it. I was embarrassed. I wouldn't say that I was on medication. I have no problem saying it now. But I had a really, really hard time with that because it was just mm. like that mental head game yeah. of like, oh, I've let myself down and now I'm you know, I've gone backwards and now I've got to rely on pills. Well, why am I just relying on pills? But I would never have said that to anyone else. But that self-talk that we have, um, you know, in the same way, and I appreciate that you mentioned it at the beginning too, that how people come across trauma in their lives mm -hmm. really differs. In the public, we hear about first responders or people mm -hmm. who are, you know, the forces or militaries and stuff like that. And we understand, uh, you know, why that could happen for them. Trauma can happen in so many different yeah, ways. for sure. And it's really easy for, I think, any of us in so many situations that we diminish our own experience. So, like, I have been embarrassed at times at how much this has impacted my life yeah. in the past five years. Because I'm like, well, it was a dog bite. Get over it. Right? But people could do that for so many situations. And so it's really, you've really got to dig into and be realistic about what's happening with you, whether you think it's as important or not as important to somebody else and their experience. Right. And what would you say to women that are facing either some type of depressive disorder or trauma that they have not been able to overcome and medication is an option for them at yeah. this time and they're struggling with that? What would you suggest that they do to think about how to proceed, how to make a choice? Honestly, I think it's that if they think it's a good option for them and they feel, you know, um, they have the knowledge to try it, to try and put the shame away on it. Like, if, if it is an issue for you, you can acknowledge it and just let it go. Um, I would say from my experience, that's what I really had to do. Um, I mean, I'm, I brought it up for a reason. <laughs> Right. Yeah. When I, I started thinking about it, like I basically understood that I needed to give myself a better foundation so that if a trigger did happen, I could come back from it yeah. in a way that I hadn't been able to with these past couple of experiences. Right. right. It's so, going to help you continue yeah. to recover. Yeah. I needed a better foundation. And yeah. that is absolutely what I've given myself. Like there are so many things I've done in the past couple of months that honestly, I would not have been able to do. If, a, if I was in the same mental yeah. state, there is no question. And even, I hate to admit it, but how productive I've been in the past couple of months. Why would you hate to admit it? You've made progress. But I know, but it means then that I'm admitting how non-productive I have been in the past several years. But there are so many simple things I realized that to do them on a daily basis was just draining, right? Um, I don't know, organizing a linen closet. Right? I mean, I'm not the most organized person anyway. I'm not going to lie. However, but doing something that you're like, it's easy to put off things, life things, when you're so drained mentally, right? And I think that would be true for PTSD and lots of other yeah, mental health correct. you know, illnesses or challenges and whatnot. Um, but I didn't recognize how nonproductive it had made me. 
And there are so many things like in the past couple of months, I'm like, wow, like I got so much accomplished today and, and to actually feel good about it is such a switch. Like it's so lovely to take joy in that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's kind of, it's been, so it's been a really great experience. So, I mean, if somebody feels that it can help them, um, you know, definitely do the research, talk to folks about it. Um, but don't put off exploring it. Look at all the options is what you're saying. Look, Look at, at all the options. And in, in the same way with any type of therapy yeah. or if it's powerlifting that gets you through or yoga or meditation, yeah. whatever the tools you need to yeah. get you through and to help you heal. I, I'm going to tell you something that I heard on a podcast a couple months ago that stuck with me. And that's that in today's day and age, when we can carry computers in our pockets, mm. not being informed is a choice. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's no, there's, we have, there's no excuse to not finding an answer to a question that you have. Right. And when somebody said that to me and they, you know, this podcast, I heard this and I thought, wow, we carry computers in our pockets. Yeah. (laughs) So if there's anything we need to know, why are we not looking it up? The answer goes way deeper than just to, do we want to know? I mean, it's, it's it's often way more than that. Yeah. And you know, and it doesn't just have to be some... You know, it doesn't have to be a Wikipedia site. It doesn't have to be oh, just a question answer. Yeah. Like the girl army that girl yeah. has created, for example, yeah. our online forum yeah. gets used all the time for people reaching out and saying, hey, I've been diagnosed with this. Has anybody had this experience? Or like, you know, um, I'm pregnant, but I want to continue Olympic lifting. Has anybody had experience with it? People share those types of questions and responses and connect with one another all the time. So there are communities out there that people can find and can use in so many different ways that can really shed some light on how you might approach things that you are experiencing. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I'll remember to put the link to that Facebook group yeah. in the show notes today. It's really awesome. It's such a supportive. It's really great. I mean, this is like the real life version yeah. of that online forum, yeah. but it's pretty incredible it's and amazing. people all across the world connect in it. So it's really, really cool. It's amazing. Well, Leslie, thank you. This has been really informative and I thank appreciate you. you on your journey. Thank you for sharing. And you know, let's stay in touch. I want to hear how things continue to go. I would love to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And listen, if you guys are out there on uh, Apple Podcasts or if you are on Spotify or Himalaya, I'm not sure where you're listening to us, but wherever that is, please make sure that you give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Give us some comments because we love to hear from you. And thanks again, Leslie. And we'll be back soon. This is Courtney Olson thanking you for joining us. If you want to keep up with us and join us some more, find us on our website at girl.com. That is G-R-R-R-L-G-R-R-R-L.com. You can find our newsletter on there to sign up for that and stay in the now. Or find us on our Instagram at girl underscore clothing. That's girl underscore clothing. And remember, you are enough.